Rudger Hauer with as a corrupt cop raping a then unknown Patricia Arquette while Michael Rooker looks on and you're like, yes, this needs to exist. Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley, and Cecil and Peter have got the night off because special guest Michael White is with me. We're going to talk about a subject that Cecil and Peter were not part of, but Mike and I are going to reminisce about our criminal past. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully the cops aren't still after us. I hope the statute of limitations is up on the stuff we're going to talk about, but maybe not. I don't know. Mm. If you guys want to help out, you go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. All for using the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. God, I'm like a robot reading that at this point, Mike. You you were smart enough to at least tape yours. Yeah, yeah. When you said that you got a free sex swing, I was like, oh, really? Okay. I might have to finally go out and uh, register for that now. There you go. Just good luck not crushing your nuts. (laughs) Good luck not pulling the entire ceiling down. So tonight, Mike and I are going to talk about, Mike and I used to be, not together, but video bootleggers. We're going to talk about the VHS bootlegging scene and how the internet kills everything good, doesn't it, Mike? Well, yes and no, and we'll definitely talk about that. So, okay, you were a video bootlegger. I I remember, here's the thing. I can't remember, I know we met through your website, but I can't remember if it's I bought a bootleg from you or you bought a bootleg from me is how we first met. I don't remember how that went. Well, I had cleaned it up in my story and uh, we had met through the Zine Cashiers to Cinemart, so that we met through bootlegging, well, that's pretty nefarious. Okay, a- everything we're going to say tonight, we're maybe making up. Maybe it's not true, maybe it is. So how's that for a legal disclaimer? Sure, sure. It always reminds me of the video pirate skit from uh, Amazon Women on the Moon. I'm All so your favorites scared. in beta and VHS. <laughs> Nowadays, when people talk about piracy, they're talking about you know people using their iPhones to shoot the Avengers: Infinity War and then putting it up on F movies or something like that. And we're talking camcorders. You and I were not that kind of a bootlegger. How would you explain? the things we used to do in the 90s in the VHS era as bootleggers? I would consider it uh, liberation. Uh, <laughs> my, that was my biggest thing, was that there were movies out there that people wanted to see, and there was no real good way of seeing a lot of things. Um, and I'm talking like super rare movies, sometimes things that were released theatrical that had a very limited run when it came to DVD release or VHS release, or things that you just couldn't get your hands on. And it was a matter of trying to take 
take those things and make them more available for people. And I have to say, I wasn't in it for the money or for the glory. I was just in it for the nookie. So would you say you have more of the cyberpunk hacker philosophy, information should be free, and so should these movies that you're sitting on? Yeah, more. Pretty much that was it. And I had a very strict philosophy as far as if something was available legitimately in the United States, and that was a big caveat, was in the United States, if something was available, then I'm not going to sell it. You know, I'm not sort of, sort of idiot who's just like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, here's Basic Instinct or The Thing or some, you know, one other mainstream movie that you want to think of. So I'm not bootlegging titles that you can easily get rent by, but stuff that was not available on these shores, stuff that you couldn't get. And I also had a very uh, hardcore philosophy as far as I'm not going to sell stuff that other people are selling. There was a very big market of bootleggers out there, and there were a few of them that I respected quite a lot. And if they were selling something, I was not about to sell the same thing, and I would actually point them over to these other resellers and say, no, 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 Mark Johnson at Shocking Videos, he has a much better copy of this, or you know, Mike Decker from Just For The Hell Of It, he's got a much better copy of this, this is what you need to get, and I'm not about to sell that stuff. So I had a real problem with when you would tape trade with someone and then they would start selling your tape on their site. Oh, that so. bugged the hell out of me. I had stuff, and I'm, I don't think I'm bragging too much, whether I'm telling the truth or not. I had stuff that nobody else had. I mean, you and I dabbled in slightly different markets, but I had stuff where I was the source. And then all of a sudden I would see this pilot or this movie or something, this work print, show up on the other people's list. And I'm like, I sold them that. You no honor among thieves, right? Exactly. Yeah, five minutes to live. It's like, you bastards. You and I, we traveled in somewhat different circles because one of my big things was television shows. Whether it's stuff that was, this is, no, we gotta set the scene. DVD doesn't exist yet at the beginning of this. Then when DVD comes in, still you can't record on DVD and TV shows in general were not being released on DVD. And the streaming doesn't exist. Even YouTube doesn't exist at this point. YouTube doesn't exist till 2005. Torrents, eh, they're, they're still really wonky at this point. You have about a 50-50 chance of downloading as many viruses as you, as you do the movie you were trying to download. So my big thing was television shows. Either it's stuff that was an old show that's never been repeated again or not released on VHS or, or ever on DVD or... Fox would, maybe there's 13 episodes of a show, but they cancel it after episode four. Well, all of the uh, remaining episodes might air in Israel. You wouldn't believe how many copies of unaired television shows I got from Israeli broadcasts. Those were huge, where you didn't deal in the TV stuff nearly as much, huh? No, not really, other than the uh, pilot movie for Mulholland Drive. That was one of the first things. I, I kind of put a stake in the ground as far as when I started selling stuff versus when I was trading stuff. I was trading a lot more in the VHS days or even buying from bootleggers, but I wasn't selling until like DVDR became a viable platform. So I wasn't doing a whole lot of tape to tape copying and selling. I was doing more tape or DVD to DVDR kind of stuff. And a lot of that I also outsourced to another guy in Florida. So I was kind of the 
a source for that would send him stuff and then he would make the the things and actually send them out so it was um there was a while there where dvdrs were really again to your point wonky and it was like is this going to play in my dvd player and then after a while we got to a point where dvdrs were handled in dvd players mostly so we didn't have too many problems with that but yeah i was much more in the tape trading and buying in the vhs days i was the same way i always preferred to trade but then and this shows how elitist i got after a while my want list was so obscure because i'd found everything i was looking for that any that was out on the market at least i'd look at these people's tape trading lists and it's like they literally have nothing i want well how about 15 bucks for it okay so you know that was kind of the 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 default was trade me something but oh you have nothing i want and i actually was called on some of the tape trading boards people were like don't deal with him he's an elitist snob he never wants to trade with anybody it's like none of you have what i want how does that make me elitist Yeah, you can only see the same titles so many times. It's like, oh, I've, he's got the guinea pig series. Okay, yeah, so does every other person out there. Oh, look, he's got the unaired Buffy pilot. Yeah, so does every other tape trader out there. I right. don't need that, you know? Did you ever get to that stage where I know you had an obscure want list? I actually filled a few things. I remember uh, you had a couple of things on your want list where I was like, Mike, I actually just found this. And I remember pointing you in that direction. You were like, holy crap, you have this? Yeah, it's it's funny because my want list was actually originally was called together by a bunch of other want lists. So I started looking. There was a guy named Tom Fitzgerald out in San Francisco, I think it was. And he ran this site, Pimpadelic Wonderland, where he was talking a lot about very obscure films. And he had this crazy want list out there and had descriptions for this stuff. So I was just like, okay, these aren't just titles. He actually would find posters or images and provide those kind of things, giving me enough that I then wanted to see these things. So I started with that as one of my first lists and then I went to some of the other traders like Mark Johnson like Mike Decker and I was just like what's on your list I'm curious what you are trying to find as well and tell me more about these things why is it that you want this and then I started doing that and then eventually I ran into this really awful trader and he had this crazy want list and at first I was looking for stuff for him so that I could get some of the things off of his list and then eventually I found that even if I fulfilled his wants, this is very much like my first marriage. Even if I fulfilled his wants, he would never come through with the actual goods. He would never actually send me the stuff. It was never good enough. And it was just like, so then after a while, I took his want list and I would just fill it and use that as my uh, selling list for, for Super Happy Fun, which was my website. And it would just basically be like, you to this guy here's this thing and i'm letting everybody else in the entire world see it because i know that he was one of these guys who wanted exclusively to have the only copy of things and that's another reason why he wouldn't ever send anything out he would have his halves list and he'd be like no 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 i'm not gonna how about i send you one title for every 15 that you send me and it's like no it doesn't work that way i'm gonna go down to the limb was his screen name lalang 10 i'm not sure it was antonio greganiello was his real name i'm not sure what his screen name was because i had a very similar experience with a guy who went by lalang 10 
So yeah. they, they might have been the same guy. I don't know. Was he an obnoxious Italian who is writing a book that never materialized about uh, obscure horror films in Europe? And he ended up writing for Steve over at uh, Shocking Videos, which was very surprising. There were a couple re- reviews in there, and uh, I was just like, okay. And that was, again, like all super obscure stuff. And I was just like, oh, you finally found that, Antonio. Or maybe you're just making this up. I'm not sure. I remember one of the big things that everybody was trading, which is, okay, the, the tape trading community was a relatively small community. Like like we were talking about earlier, when you sometimes had somebody who, you know, all of a sudden you would give them something, they would give it to somebody else and so forth, and then it's just out there. One of my big things, I don't know if you ever dealt with this, was Italian movies completely uncut. Mm. Like Fulci movies, Argento movies, because in America these were cut to ribbons on VHS. Even when the first DVDs of these came out, they were the American cuts. And I remember the, the biggest source was Japanese Laserdisc. Do you remember that whole, all of these weird Italian movies, you know, to see all the gore, you'd have, you'd have the hard-coded Japanese subtitles on them? I remember the hard-coded Japanese subtitles on the Hodorowski films, but not necessarily on these Italian ones. I have to admit that I was much more of an art house kind of a guy when it came to this stuff, so I wasn't really into, like, what's the goriest stuff or the uncut gore stuff. So there were occasionally movies where it's like, oh, this is only available on this version, but it wasn't necessarily the Italian horror film. I always looked at, from my want list, it became stuff I personally wanted to see. Although every now and then, I would I would be like, okay, I see a lot of people are looking for, say, the Buffy unaired pilot, since I can't stand Joss Whedon. I'd get a copy of that, and I've got a pretty good copy, one of the better copies that's out there, because I knew other people wanted it. But overall, right. it was, this is stuff I want to see. It's either, a, you know, the unaired episodes of a TV show that got canceled in America, or it's some TV show I remembered watching as a kid and I'd love to find episodes of again. Now all this stuff is either on the torrent sites or it's on YouTube or it's on TV Vault or MySpleen. But back then, do you remember the exhilaration of finding an old movie you maybe remembered as a kid and then just getting it and watching it again? Even if even if the quality was two, three generations down or worse, oh, yeah. and the movie might not have been very good, but just the fact that you got to see it again Again, when this has never been released on VHS and hasn't aired on TV since like 1984. Well, the girl most likely to is Stockard Channing. Being able to see that again after all these years, I mean, now it's available on DVD, but back then, finding that, it was, wow, that was such a wonderful feeling. Did you ever, as time went on, you know, and DVD came out and these things started to be released on DVD, to me, even a second or third generation VHS, it didn't look that bad. And I see some people, like uh, just recently, somebody found that that supposedly lost Nightmare on My Street video from DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, the one that was supposedly dest- all known copies were destroyed and they uploaded it. People are bitching about the quality, and I'm like, actually, that's pretty good quality. In our <laughs> scene, we saw some shit quality stuff that people were happy to get. Oh yeah, stuff where it, the the picture was barely on the tape. Yes, I don't know if your copy was like this, but the Mulholland Drive on aired pilot, the ABC, the TV version, that thing was raw. Man, I mean, quality-wise, yeah. that is a rough, rough bootleg. That was pretty rough, yeah. And the, the the thing too that I don't know if people understand is like when it came to that 
particular title, that was one of the things that prompted me into actually selling stuff was because it cost me a lot of money to get that pilot. Like when I finally found that, it was some guy who was charging a lot of money for it. And that was the only way that I get it, but I was desperate to see it. So then after that, I kind of turned around and was like, okay, people want to see this. I'm not going to charge them nearly as much as this guy did, but I want to recoup my costs. So that's when I basically started selling stuff. There was that was one of the titles. There was Highway, the Jim Morrison movie that cost me like $450 to buy. And I think I went in halvesies with a guy and that was kind of, again, shit quality. But I'm like, well, this is out there now and people want to see it. So I'm going to charge $13 for people to see it now instead of 450 that I ended up paying. And the other, the third title, oddly enough, was the Phantom Edit, the very first Phantom Edit that came out. So that guy charged me up the wazoo as well. Not $450, but so it was like titles like that. It was just like, okay, let's liberate these things. Let's get these things out there. And as before, you could just post them and be like, fuck you, here it is for free. You know, postage and all that kind of horseshit costs a lot of money. So it's just like, yeah, let's, let's make this not profit worthy, but let's actually like try to get the money back a little bit and sell it for something where, you know, it was affordable for people. Have you ever seen any of you, and when I say your, I don't mean you as the owner, but like as the originator, any of your bootlegs show up on YouTube? Cause I have. I've, oh, yeah. I've seen, I've seen some pilots or some weird TV shows and I'm like, those tape hits are in the exact spot and the little play button. I'm like, that's my copy. Whoever uploaded this either got a copy from me or got a copy from somebody who got a copy from me, but I'm like, that's my copy on YouTube. Damn it. Well, that's when I really started to get disillusioned was years after starting Super Happy fun was starting to see stuff out on torrent sites that were obviously my copies. And then the thing that really hurt was, you know, I didn't upload this. Somebody else uploaded it. So then they got the uh, the credit on the website, you know, like the actual like so many gigs worth of, of credit because some of these websites, you know, if you upload so much, then you get to download as much. You have to keep a, a ratio. Versus leaker. Yeah, all this kind of stuff. Leachers. So I would see stuff where people would put up things that I had, you know, like, oh yeah, here's this obscure German art film that I managed to get from the filmmaker all these years ago and now here it is on this and it'd be like yeah I got this it's super happy fun it's like well can I get the ratio credit you know my my ratio is really kind of shit right now so yeah that was that was a rough I've never understood the whole logic of in this case film studios or, or TV networks for not releasing these things one of my biggest sellers consistently was the 1980s Dungeons and Dragons cartoon 27 22 minute episode I'm not exaggerating, Mike, when I probably sold between five to 800 sets of those. It was three tapes on SP Speed, and I probably sold, you know, maybe up to 800 sets of those. And yet, even at that time, I remember the, 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 T, I think it was TV shows on DVD asked whoever the owner was, we have no plans to release this at this time. Isn't that sort of, you know, you, you've got people asking for these TV shows, and they're like, we don't, we don't see any market in it. We, we don't want to release this. And then everybody comes to us. Isn't it sort right. of the studios just directing everybody? Isn't that telling them, go ahead and bootleg this because we're not going to give it to you legally? Well, there's also that weird thing of like rights usage and stuff. So like I don't own any WKRP in Cincinnati, 
but if I were to, I would get it from bootleggers. I wouldn't get it from the legitimate source in that case because they've replaced all the music. You know, and there were a lot of things that, and there still are a lot of things. You know, I'm looking at, I, I pulled up my want list out of, uh, you know, curiosity and looking at some of these titles, it's like, oh yeah, there was a song in that that isn't licensed anymore and it would cost more to license the song than it would to release the, the movie these days. So it's like, you know, there, what was that one? There was a, like a war movie that used a Beatles song in it. And I mean, even like the Lathe of Heaven used a, a, a Beatles song in it, the PBS one with Bruce Davison. And that ended up, it took forever for that to come out, for them to work out the licensing. And before that, it was a very big bootleg title. And yeah, people wanted this stuff. Right. And I think, I think that's what the studios didn't understand. It's like you're just turning people over to the bootleggers. Now, that's not, some people are going to say, I'm trying to justify the illegal things we were doing. I'm not. I'm saying, just like you, if you released Dungeons and Dragons on DVD, people not only wouldn't be coming to me for it, I wouldn't be offering it. Because for one thing, yours would be better quality, or, well, in the case of Dungeons and Dragons, maybe not. Because in a lot of times, especially with cartoons, they would edit them weirdly. Mm. And so if people wanted the same versions that aired on 80s television, with the, with the original intro, not the new DVD made intro, or they want the, like, for some reason, this has got to be a George Lucas thing. Remember Droids and Ewoks, the cartoons? Oh, yeah. Because those were both prequels to A New Hope, when he put those out on video and then later DVD, he changed all the sound effects to the prequel laser blasts and, and sound effects of the vehicles. And it's like, no, George, that's not the version I grew up watching. I will not buy that on DVD. Good thing I taped them all back in the 80s. Because <laughs> that's the real version. And I still got, there are still people out there looking for the real versions and Lucasfilm was like, well, this was my, shut up. Yeah, that was the thing too, is when things were made properly available is I would just shut down what I was doing. So like it once the girl most likely to became available, then I pull it off. And that's something that I didn't think that some bootleggers necessarily got was like, no dude, this is available legally. Now you should probably quit selling this because now you actually are taking the profits away from somebody who legitimately owns the rights to this. I'm, I'm sure you had the same credo as I did. And I'll get into my one exception. I never dealt with fiat, you know, taped in theater bootlegs. No. I never dealt in those. Not only was that dangerous legally, because that that's where the FBI I would actually sting people, but just ethically, I couldn't do that with the one exception of the Blade Runner work print. Yeah, Blade Runner work print was interesting. I mean, yeah, there were certain things. And again, you know, like once they finally can release that, it's like, okay, good. Thank you. That, and that's the thing that I wanted more than anything is like, I want these movies to be available legally, legitimately. And at my, you know, mom and pop video store, Amazon, wherever, I want to be able to buy Pretty Poison here in the United States. I want to be able to buy Shuji Teriyama films here in the United States. You know, give me these titles. This is what I want. You know, and then it kind of sucks now with like, you know, it, like Criterion was doing this weird thing, too, where they were like, OK, yeah, now we're just going to stream this, but we won't release physical copies of it. And it's like, no, I actually kind of want physical copies of some of these things. So I don't know if they were, again, getting around rights issues by doing that. You know, we, we learned the hard way this week that physical media still is kind of king. We really need to have these actual discs now instead of just having stuff available for for streaming 
it's like what happens to all these um, uh, Shinito movies that are out there on Filmstruck after Filmstruck closes down. I'm glad that I have all my Shinito discs here sitting on a shelf next to me. Well, and in some cases, especially in the case of like television with a like, say something was a live broadcast, if this stuff wasn't recorded then, there's all this stuff that they're like, we don't want this out there specifically. And that's why I think the whole hacker credo, the whole cyberpunk sort of mentality comes from, that's where people like us come in. You, you don't know how much I loved being able to actually prove that a scene in a movie existed. Like, people going, oh, you know, this this scene didn't exist, and I'm like, actually, yeah, it aired on TV once in 1982 in the TV version, and I've got it on tape. You pop it on YouTube, people are like, holy shit, this scene actually was shot. I love doing that. YouTube has been such a godsend for me when I've been looking for things like that. Like, I wrote a big article about Airplane 2 a few years ago. Finding the TV version of Airplane 2, even on the bootleg circuit, was impossible at that time. Because as we've gone out now, the bootleg circuit has dried up to almost nothing. And now there's a gap when it comes to certain things. Like, the other day I was looking for the director's cut of uh, Hard Target with Jean-Claude Van Damme. And it's like, okay, yeah, I used to have that on VH. VHS, um, is that available now legitimately? Maybe in Germany, but can I get the disc now? Not necessarily, but so talking about Airplane 2, it was in this period where there weren't a lot of tape traders who were trading TV versions of stuff, so thank God somebody finally uploaded, like, here are the extra scenes to YouTube, and now I have that resource so I can say, oh yeah, this existed. This I see where this fits into the movie now. Thank you for actually putting that out there. Well, I think another big thing is, especially when it comes to television, stuff that maybe some short-lived show that was canceled after five episodes, that's never going to get a DVD release. Nobody's ever going to put out David E. Kelly Snoops <laughs> or, 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 or the, the, the show Winnetka Road where a Wisconsin family owns a video store in the late 90s, canceled after five episodes. No one's ever going to put these out. People like me recorded them off of TV. And in the case of Snoops, I've even got the three unaired episodes from a German broadcast. You know what? I don't think that will ever find a DVD release. But you can still get them from people like me. Yeah, which is... We provide a service. It was such a service and such a thing, you know, like I was talking at a podcast a few weeks ago and I started uh, name-dropping the TV show whiz kids and i was just like where the hell can i get whiz kids and it's like nope not available legitimately but thank goodness there's still bootlegs out bootleggers out there that will sell that stuff to me and the studios weirdly enough they won't put this stuff out legally but they police the hell out of youtube so the second you upload one of these you get a copyright strike and, and i found in some cases they don't even do the we just want to put abs on it it's no i want this down gone off youtube but they were for whatever reason are like we are not putting this out on dvd but you are not putting it on youtube as well and i don't i don't know if there's a legal reason or if they're just being dicks yeah i don't get that at all and just the the thing that was getting me for a while was trailers, people pulling trailers off of YouTube. And it was just like, no, take that trailer down. It's like, you know, this is an advertisement, right? This is an advertisement for your movie. <laughs> Why are you mad that there's a trailer out here? How much of your want list to this day is still unfulfilled, whether it be movies or a TV show or something? Do you still have things on your want list that you're still prowling for? Yeah, I have probably about 50 titles that I am still looking for. 
for. And I actually just got one fulfilled recently, which was a, a movie called The Super Jocks, uh, which was directed by this guy, Emil Nofel. Apparently it was released as The Winners, and that was available as a PAL VHS. So I still had a friend, thank goodness, who had a PAL to NTSC converter and converted it to DVD-R for me. Otherwise, would never be able to see The Super Jocks. See, one of the biggest ones outside of like unaired pilots or something like that is a TV show I remember watching and I can barely confirm exists. You, you go and look for this show on the internet. All you're going to find is the, this show exists. That's about it. Do you remember? I think it was on TNT or maybe it was TBS conspiracy zone from the nineties. No, I can't say I do. It was a round table conspiracy talk show and they would have on like Richard Belzer or Harlan Ellison or Alex Jones before he went crazy. And they would have on lots of, uh, you know, at least one super famous person on each one. And it was a round table. I doubt it was live, but it was a you know, late night talk show. I cannot find a single episode. I can't find anyone that has the intro or anything, but I remember watching it. This show conspiracy zone, it exists somewhere. Somebody has this show, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's it. it it's that thing like, uh, you know, you and I both were after a show from, what is it like 1989 that aired on HBO? And it's like the edge. Remember the edge? And it's like, yeah, it was, I don't know if it was meant to be a spinoff or maybe the successor to Hitchhiker because it had all the same producers as the Hitchhiker and he's basically the same format. Hell, the same casts in a lot of cases. So it was the Hitchhiker, but after Hitchhiker was sold to USA. So I want to think it was supposed to be Hitchhiker 2.0. So here's this thing that airs 1989. So VCRs are still very much a thing and we can't find all the episodes. Like we found some, but not all of them. So I just, I don't get that. Why there are these, you know, these weird shows that are just not available. For the edge, because see what HBO used to do is they wouldn't do pilots. They wouldn't do just a pilot back then. They did a three episode pilot. Ray Bradbury Theater, First and Ten, Hitchhiker, all these shows, they would have three episode pilot seasons. And The Edge was one of those. So there were only three episodes. Between you and I, we found two of them. There's still one out there. Somebody has to have recorded Black Pudding, Mike. They have to have. (laughs) And if you do, send it to us or upload it to YouTube. Mike and I really want to see Black Pudding. All I know is that Kelly Lynch is in it. Yeah, it was based on a David Goodis story. I was writing a huge article about David Goodis adaptations and well, things from like the 1950s that I can't find. Okay, I can kind of accept that. But a show from 1989, I was just uh, apoplectic as far as like, freaking find this, man. Come on. Well, okay, Mike, I'm writing a book on television pilots, so I include The Edge. I even, I contacted HBO. There's nobody currently there who even knows that this show was ever an HBO show. I didn't talk, I talked to about seven different people. Not a single one of them are like, what, you mean we aired something like that? That's why kind of we do this. Isn't it also in a weird way preservation? Because otherwise the two we have would totally be lost to time. I mean, I remember the one I gave you, Indian Poker. That's got Rudger Hauer with as a corrupt cop raping a then unknown Patricia Arquette while Michael Rooker looks on and you're like, yes, this needs to exist. Yeah, I I think I ended up talking to Nicholas Kazan about his episode and it was just like, you know, hey, uh, uh, can I get a copy of this? It was like, no, I don't have a copy myself. I actually just found this again for my book. It's on unaired pilots. 
Morgan and Wong, it was like 98 or 99. They're coming off, you know, Millennium and the X-Files. They made a pilot for ABC called The Wonder Cabinet. I had a copy. I wrote about it on Forces of Geek. Just a brief little, like, one paragraph thing about it. One of the actors contacted me going, can I get a copy of that? I was in it, and I don't even have a copy. Yeah, uh, Miguel Ferrer, I ended up sending him a copy of uh, a pilot that he was in. Uh, it was an adaptation of a James Elroy uh, piece, and he was like, oh, you have that? I'm, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've been right. contacted by more than one famous person asking for a copy of a pilot that they made. Okay, I maybe I just don't, maybe we don't understand how Hollywood works, but how do the people in the goddamn pilot never see it? Right. I don't, I don't understand this. I mean, hell, because they couldn't legally pay me, I was contacted once by the David Letterman show. Because I had a George Clooney unaired pilot, and they wanted to spring some footage on him for some appearance. This is like in, I don't know, 2000, 2001, I don't remember what movie it would have been for. And they're like, well, we can't legally buy it from you. But how about we pay to fed for you to FedEx a copy to us? And they gave me about a dozen David Letterman t-shirts wow. in exchange. But yeah, you had a mainstream outlet like the David Letterman show contacting people like me going, can we get a copy of this? Oh, that's man. mind-boggling, isn't it? That is. That's crazy. Yeah, I think um I used to, when I was running Super Happy Fun, I had a few clients that I actually recognized their names. And one of them was Clint Manziel, the guy from uh, Pop Will Eat Itself, who ends up doing all the music for uh, for Darren Aronofsky. And then I got contacted by Martin Scorsese's office. They were like, oh, yeah, he's doing a documentary. And I don't know if this ever happened or not, but he's doing a documentary about uh, Nagisha Oshima. And you've got all these movies. Uh, can you sell those to us? And I was like, yeah, sure. For Marty? No problem. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I, I actually had that, and it's it's kind of funny because going back to the whole, you recognize, you know, like I said, not your as in we own it, but your footage. The Morton Downey Jr. documentary Evocateur. The people who made that contacted me, and I don't know how this happens. Again, maybe I don't understand Hollywood. I had copies of episodes, and I had footage and trailers that Morton's wife didn't fucking have. Oh, Jesus. And so it's funny, if you read the credits of Evocateur, it's like, you know, archive footage provided by Time Warner Media, CBS, Josh Hadley. And I just think that that shouldn't have to happen. I remember uh, th this one, this documentary never got made, but the USA Network, they were going to do like a 25th anniversary or 30th anniversary or something special for USA. They never kept any of their old promos. They actually put it out there on the trading boards. Hey, guys, we're looking for old USA Network bumpers and promos. Can you send us copies? And this is the network. It's like so I have copies. The one that really bugs me. Do you remember the War of the Worlds TV series from 1988? I kind of do. You know, it was made for the 50th anniversary of the War of the Worlds broadcast. It was a direct sequel to the George Powell movie because that had happened in the past of the continuity. I'm actually pissed off when they released those on DVD. I literally have better off-air copies that are better quality and are in stereo than the garbage that they put out on DVD, which looks like they're putting out maybe second-generation, three-quarter-inch copies all in mono sound. And I'm like, how do my fucking off-airs from 1988 look and sound better than the official DVDs? 
Well, I know even with uh, the documentary I helped produce, uh, Survival of the Film Freaks, you're like, yeah, I've got better footage of this. And I'm like, sorry, picture's already locked. But, you know, had I known, I should have gone to you first. Yeah, I can't remember. I, maybe Joe Bob Briggs or something. But I was like, when you let me see the copy, I'm like, man, Mike, that's some rough shit. I've got way better copies of that same footage, man, if you'd have just come to me. The whole idea you were talking about uh, the unaired Buffy pilot or the, the original Buffy pilot, that kind of stuff is fantastic. And I, it's... And correct me if I'm wrong, it's not available on the DVD sets of these shows. And there's a lot of, like, work prints and stuff that aren't available legitimately. Like that Mulholland Drive pilot that we were talking about before, I thought for sure that would be on the Criterion disc. And as far as I remember, it's not. And it's like these, again, are just lost in time other than through the bootleggers. It's like I'm still looking for the work print of Eaters of the Dead, the original cut of the 13th Warrior before I think it was uh, – uh, was McTiernan kicked off of that one? I think it was. Yeah, I, I bought the DVD expecting maybe they would have that on there. No, it's not. I mean, I still like the movie that came out, but I would love just for prosperity uh, to see what the uh, original version of that looked like. I actually do. Not prosperity. Sorry about that. I, I knew what word you meant. Yeah, I, I, you. I didn't want to correct you and make make it sound goofy. But, but you also have the weirdness that is when they do put out sometimes unaired pilots, people don't kind of understand especially when it comes to tv people still don't understand and i explain this in my book what a pilot is like and and sometimes they make them hard to get do you remember time tunnel the the old tv show oh hell yes i do if you buy the seasons individually you don't get this if you buy the complete series they include the 2011 fox time tunnel pilot there you go but you have to buy the complete series or like, uh, I'm currently looking for one way, way, way back in like 1984. It was a George Carlin pilot called Apartment 2C. I, no luck anywhere. If you buy the big commemorative edition, that $100 box set, it's one of the extras. Oh, and wow. I'm like, I want this. I'm not paying $100 for this f***ing pilot for my book. You know where I'm going to be looking? Where do you think I'm going to be looking for this? Oh, all around the current bootleg channels. Somebody has to have this box set and is willing to send me the copy of Apartment 2C. Exactly. It's for my book. It's for a good cause. It's for research. You can put it that way. It's for research. Yeah, which, you know, not being in the bootleg business, you know, some of those things that I used to do are still valid as far as that goes for research purposes, like, you know, writing a book about Elliot Gould. And he was on a bunch of Henson stuff, a bunch of Muppet things. So writing to the Henson archives and being like, hey, can I get a copy of this special because I want to write about it? Boom. No problem. Here you go. Now I'm now that things are different in the world, I'm kind of bound by honor where it's just like, no, sorry, can't really let this out. You know, 20 years ago, it would have been like, oh, well, hell, people are looking for this. Let me put it out there. So it's a, it's a different world now. It is. I mean, hell, my entire book is about things I basically could have only gotten from the bootleg circuit. It's all about unaired pilots. These are TV shows. I mean, some of them aired. Sometimes they're, like I said, included on the DVD sets, but probably 70 to 80% of the stuff I talk about in my book, you can't get it anywhere because because i actually talked about this with my editor he was like you know some of this stuff we're hoping people will go hey i read about this pilot and look it's on youtube and i'm like yeah there's a lot of this stuff that there is no youtube equivalent uh-huh. because th- that's where we are nowadays isn't it youtube is where this stuff shows up i remember for my book i was looking for i even talked to dennis franz's agent who was very very nice and even dennis didn't have a copy of the hal ashby cut of the beverly hills bunts pilot somebody uploaded it to youtube 
I snagged that freaking quick. Been looking for that for years. Because they, they filmed three pilots for that because the, the production was such a disaster. Hal Ashby's last work he ever did was one of the unaired Beverly Hills Bunce pilots. Yeah, I was just talking about Ashby recently and just uh, knowing that his original cut of, what was it? Uh, God, what's the name of the movie that was success in the title? I think it was. One of his movies was recut uh after he was done with it and they finally released his version of it like i know he never got to touch um eight million ways to die it's like yeah i would have loved to have seen if there was a version of his uh, cut of it i would have loved to have seen that the, the the thing that kills me these days is that you can write about these things you can talk about these things you can have copies of these things and then people will still argue with you that they don't exist and it's just it, it drives me nuts like I've been looking for the the Smokey is the Bandit version of Smokey and the Bandit 3 for the longest time, and people are still convinced, no, this doesn't exist. And it's like, no, I've seen the stills. I've read the production history. I know this stuff, um, so just don't discount it. It was kind of like uh, years and years ago, I was looking for the Go-Go's video, the behind-the-scenes Go-Go's video, where they end up like kind of anally raping one of their roadies. Yeah, this thing exists. I've heard that it exists. I've talked to people that have seen it and then i went to another bootlegger and they're like yeah no 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 that doesn't exist there is no such thing and luckily it was one of those areas where i was finally able to get a copy and then just shut this person up because here it is i actually have the proof of it and that's kind of this thing too that you were just talking about before as far as like yeah here it is here's the scene here's what i was talking about you guys don't believe me here it is here's the proof before your eyes and on the other side of that token and i agree with everything you just said i have certain pilots that don't exist. I can't find it on any of the actors' MDibs. There's no credits on them. I can't find a single mention. Remember when everyone was trying to do their, after the X-Files hit, mid-90s, everyone wanted their own X-Files version? Oh, yeah. This was an X-Files ripoff. It's got an NBC logo at the end. It's called Man Made. It's got no opening credits. I, the only, I recognize two of the actors in it. It's not on either of their IMDBs. I literally cannot confirm that this actually exists huh. besides the fact that I have a copy. There are people who, I mean, if, if I ever got to talk to Jonathan Banks, who's the villain in this, he might go, holy shit, they actually made, they actually, you, you have a copy? A friend of mine used to work at KNB Effects. When he left KNB, the last thing he did was he made the masks for the Darkman pilot. And he said as far as he knew, and he even asked one of the other KNB guys that never got made. Fox never made it. I have a copy of the Darkman pilot. <laughs> Do you know how ecstatic he was 20-some years later when I showed him this pilot and he's like, that's the mask I made! They told me they never oh. actually shot this pilot! It's like, well, they did. I have a copy of it. Just to uh, make sure the record's right, it was Looking to Get Out was the Hal Ashby movie I was trying to think of. Did you ever, in the VHS days, did you ever get stung or felt like you were? I don't know if, if you ever did this, but I remember having people that were just like, you just got a wonky feeling where you're like, God, this feels like an FBI agent trying to entrap mm. me. Did you ever get that? No, I got a and d letter one time, cease and desist, after I would sell just tons of stuff to... What was the place in Manhattan? George's video? Or no, Kim's video. It was George that I dealt with there. 
there. Kim's video would order so much stuff for me. And then one day out of the blue, I got a letter from Matthew Barney, the performance artist, whatever you want to call him, um, his people. You've been selling the Cremaster series. You need to cease and desist and send us all the originals and all this. And it was just like one of these really super threatening letters, which I ended up promptly ignoring. But then I was like, well, where would they have seen that I sell this stuff? And finally, I figured out that they must have found it through Kim's because I think Kim's was then turning around and reproducing my stuff and then selling it there. So they were making a profit off of my profit. And so, yeah, it was just kind of this weird thing. So I was like, okay, yeah, all right. I'll, I'll uh, hide this a little bit better, but I'll still make it available because the Cremaster films were these things where they would allegedly make X number of laser discs of them and then sell them for outrageous amounts of money. And it was just like, yeah, no, f- that when these things should just be available for $13 instead. Sorry. It's just not worth it. You're not that great. Did you ever feel like uh, the exhilaration of being able to see like a movie a year before it comes out? I mean, I know this one didn't happen often, but you remember the really troubled production history of Jason X, the movie set on the shelf for almost two years. I had a really high quality VHS of it over a year and a half before the movie came out to the point where when it finally I've seen TV spots for it, I'm like, eh, I saw it a year and a half ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a nice feeling as well. And yeah, there were a couple movies where I would have seen it way before they came out and then to the point of like then I go to see it and I'll see a different version of it it's like well it was actually better in the in the earlier version I don't know why you guys decided to cut that there was a weird exhilaration you kind of know you're watching something you're not supposed to be seeing and Mm -hmm. I don't mean that in a like you know illegal way I mean like in a this has been lost or will continue to be lost it's unreleased did you ever feel you know sort of like yeah this is this is kind of cool like we're doing something really illegal (laughs) a little bit yeah yeah i did yeah i also remember i used to do so many orders for the different tv shows we were actually backed up at one point i remember sometimes three times a week i'd have to take huge armfuls of packages to the post office Mm -hmm. i can't believe the post office never got suspicious (laughs) yeah luckily when i was doing my stuff it was around the time that ebay was starting to become big so it was just like yeah here you go this is the way to do it even though ebay was big i never sold stuff through ebay though i would find like stuff that i I had sold, turned around, and just put onto eBay. You just want honor among thieves. It's like, hey, I stole this first. How dare you steal it from me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't really have room to complain, but whatever. Why are you doing this? Especially if I would, like, make custom artwork for stuff, and then you see that, you know, put out there, and it's like, I actually made that. How or Why are you doing that to me? I remember when you sent me Who Do You Think You're Fooling on VHS. It also had the MTV news footage, and I think you're still not fooling anyone on that. I still have that tape, by the way, just so you're aware. I still have that tape, by the way. That means a lot more to me than just seeing those things on YouTube, you know? Right. Oh, yeah. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, there's certain things that I just haven't parted with. I I eliminated most of my VHS collection years ago, but I still have a shelf of stuff that I still kind of have some sentimental value around, like my VHS copies of uh, Black Shampoo. One of the things that I know, to go back to the whole, you know this exists, but you can't prove it, why they will not release the original Sons of Anarchy pilot with Scott Glenn instead of Ron Perlman. 
why? Or, or they, they had completely shot the 21 Jump Street pilot with Jeff Yager and not Johnny Depp. I have, a, I even have a work print of the pilot of 21 Jump Street, which I should probably put on DVD at some point and upload it. It's still the Johnny Depp version. Somebody has got to have the Jeff Yager footage, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it was like, where's the Eric Stoltz footage from, uh, Back to the Future? And then for years it's like, no, 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 that doesn't exist, or we got rid of that, and then finally it shows up and it's like, okay, yeah, I knew it existed, thank you. Well, in a, in a lot of cases, it's just somebody who maybe not wasn't supposed to, but like an editor will take a copy home. Like, uh, I'm not going into Alex Jones territory here, but you remember that documentary that Discovery was doing back in the 90s called Conspiracy of Silence? It was supposed to be, it was supposed to be about how the uh, politicians in Hollywood and the Catholic Church conspire to run underage sex rings. No, I don't remember that. Cause it never aired. There uh-huh. were ads taken out for it. There were commercials for it. Now, Discovery says they just, they realized that it was not factually accurate. The Alex Joneses out there are like, oh, you know, you know, the, the conspiracy is that they had it taken down. One of the editors took home a work print copy and he uploaded it to the internet in the early 2000s, even before YouTube. And the, the weird thing is, not only is it a really rough work print, he temp scored it to the Twin Peaks theme. Mm. <laughs> so as you're watching this thing about child sex rings and the Republicans and Democrats, you got the Twin Peaks theme playing and you're like, this is so surreal. It's sort of refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to, I'm curious if, speaking of work prints and stuff, I'm curious if, because I wrote a, a big piece about um, Brian Helgeland's uh, payback. I know that there was a version that was put out on DVD, which was the same one that I ended up showing theatrically. And then he did another one that was called like Straight No Chaser or something like that and that was actually a different version than the work print but it used pieces of the work print whoever was the the main baddie i want to say it was uh Oh, it was a, it was a female, it was an actress and either she was passed away by then or didn't want to come back. So they ended up just removing her and replacing her voice with Sally Kellerman's voice. And it was just like, okay, this is strange. So there's actually three versions, but only two of them are available on DVD. And it's like, why didn't you put out the third version while you were at it? Yeah, you, you run into that a lot from the, from the bootleg scene as well. Like on the DVD and Blu-ray for heavy metal, they include a work print. Well, I also have a work print, which is a very, very different work print than the one that's on the DVD. So there are two work prints out there for heavy metal. So, okay, you've got the one that's on the DVD, but then I also have one that's at all, that's at various different stages of animation and some of the live action footage because what they did is they rotoscope parts of that movie for right. the audience so they shot live action footage of like Tarna getting dressed and walking into the bar and things like that and then they animated over it there's some of that on the blu-ray and then my version has different footage where it's there's live action footage that's not in the blu-ray version and it's like you get so bizarre when you get into work prints there are sometimes so many different cuts out there like I think the Highlander Endgame oh. three different work n- not even just the final cuts <laughs> oh Oh, yeah. But there are like three different work prints out there that are vastly different movies. Yeah, that then you get into crazy territory. I don't know how you were. When I first got a copy of 3 Dev Adam, my copy didn't have any subtitles. That was amazing. 
to actually watch Three Dev Adam. To watch Psycho Switchblade Spider-Man killing a guy with a guinea pig and mm. burying a woman up to her neck and running a boat motor into her face. And then Captain America and, and Santo the wrestler teaming up against evil giant eyebrowed Spider-Man. Come on, Mike. I, I know you watched that at some point. Wasn't that amazing to sit and watch that in your own home and a bootleg, no less? Oh, yeah. And then when you see, like, oh, here's the restored version with English subtitles and it's almost like a disappointment meant to be able to see it properly. <laughs> there are some movies that just look better as DVD or VHS bootlegs. Like, there's a movie with William Shatner called Impulse, and it's like, I own it now on DVD, but I would much rather see it on a shitty VHS bootleg just because I think that's the best way to see it. Well, there are certain films that just look like that, like Night of the Living Dead. Right. I love Night of the Living Dead. It looks better in a beat-to-crap mono-sounded print, doesn't it? It just it makes it almost creepier doesn't it? Exactly. It feels like this is something that passed from person to person. And and in some of these bootlegs, especially in the VHS era, obviously we have VHS degradation. That that That's one way that us getting mad about all of our copies winding up out there, all the other copies were far more degraded than ours were. Exactly. And in a way, you kind of felt superior like, ha, assholes, your copy's a fourth generation, mine's only a second. Ha. <laughs> or maybe that was just me being a snot. No, I, I think there was that as well. So I tried to keep the, you know, the DVD our technology helped with some of that, but uh yeah, it was it was rough. There are still things to this day like the like the Red Brown movie Robo War, that Predator ripoff. Mhm. There are, to the best of my knowledge, no known copies that are not from a Japanese VHS. Every single copy out there has hard-coded Japanese subtitles in it. And you just have to ask yourself, there has to be a master print. That VHS was made off of a master print. How has nobody found a clean copy of RoboWar yet? Right. Right. Get Someone it. has to have it. There's a lot of those where it's just like, this has to be someplace. Where is it? Uh, another one, uh, a Riz of Lost Ark ripoff called Hunters of the Golden Cobra, uh, an Italian movie. I cannot find, if there's a copy out there that does not have hard-coded Japanese subtitles on it, please contact me. I've never seen this movie without the Japanese subtitles hard-coded into them. But that print had to come from somewhere. I know personally people who saw that movie in the theater. There are clean prints out there. How can nobody have found them by now? Yeah, and then after a while, I'm like, are, did people just stop looking? You know, and that's the thing is I'll still go out to that wish list, want list of mine and still keep looking. You know, it's not like I look every day, but every six months, I'll still go out there and say, has this now turned up because I'm still looking for all this stuff. The bootleg market, people don't understand in the pre-YouTube days what it was like to try and find some obscure piece of cinema or uh, some obscure television show. I mean, you know, to pimp my YouTube channel a little bit, which I can't monetize, thank you, YouTube. They took my monetization away. But on my YouTube channel, you know, the Josh Hadley Rare Video Trader channel, you don't know how many people I have made happy. I'll put up some old promo or an old TV show or an interview or something, and someone's like, oh my god, I remember watching this in XX year. Thank you so much. I enjoyed seeing this again so much. It makes people so happy to see this stuff. But all the studios are like, copyright strike. 
Nope, you don't own that. They don't care. And yes, maybe I'm sucking my own dick here a little bit, but I think we provided a service then, and when we upload this shit to YouTube, we're providing a service now. Yeah, nostalgia is a weird thing. I mean, there's sometimes you just want to see something that you saw. Like, I was just describing a promo for, we had these PSAs called Snibbits when I was a kid, and it's like, I would love to see some of those Snibbits again. Good luck finding those. I've never been able to find them on YouTube or anyplace else. I actually had a... uh and when I say movie star in quotes, a, you know, B-movie star that unfriended me on Facebook when I mentioned something about bootlegging uh, a TV show that has never been released on VHS, not available on any streaming service, has not, like, aired since the 80s. She was so against bootlegging, just in general, she said, I'm the reason Hollywood loses millions of dollars every year and I'm everything wrong with this. And she actually turned me into YouTube because I admitted I was a boot, or uh, Facebook because I admitted I was a bootlegger on that. And it's like, okay, if I was bootlegging the newest Bruce Willis movie, that'd be one thing. This is something that has never been seen again since the 80s. Who am I hurting by putting it on YouTube? Right. Right. Heated debates about that kind of stuff and just, uh, you know, things that are out of print, things that are costing so much money to buy them. It's like, I'm sorry, you know, the business, like doing the podcast stuff, that's all based on the availability of this stuff. So if it's not available, sorry, but I have to bootleg it, you know, and that was the same in 1989, 99, 2009, and almost 2019. If I can't find something, I'm going to have to bootleg it. I talked earlier about the whole idea of available. So yeah, if it's available, fantastic. If I can buy it, great. Let me put my money where my mouth is. But if I can't get this thing, then I'm going to have to turn to illegal means or questionable means in order to put my hands on it. Just because I can't, I am the type of person that I can't just throw up my hands and go, oh, I couldn't find this thing or, oh, it was, you know, it, it was illegal to get this. If I need to see a particular version of something in order to speak intelligently to it, then I'm going to have to go out and do that. I'm sorry. And, and like I said, I've had major television shows, major movie studios contact me to get footage of things that they can't find. That's how fucked up this situation is in some cases, Mike. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea of like, yeah, we'll just throw away these master tapes and never worry about it again. I mean, you know, talk about um, tape libraries to a Doctor Who fan and you'll see somebody who, you know, gets really crazy about that because of this whole like, yeah, we we decided we're going to tape over these things because who needs this? You know, this is not for posterity. I've got TV shows on my list I've never even seen. I've just seen promos. Like, there was a prison show, this is long before Oz, called Mariah. It was a psychiatric prison show. I used to tape Max Headroom. This show was on after Max Headroom. I have the promos for every episode of Mariah. I can't find a single copy of a fucking episode anywhere. Nobody recorded this show. That's the kind of thing that bugs the hell out of me. And this is this kind of weird, obscure show that, like I said, this is never going to get a DVD release. Right, of course. Because, yeah, who's going to so pay for it? There's, there's not enough demand for that. Sorry. To me, the bootleg market, it's a necessary market, but at the same time, I'm not talking about theatrical bootlegs. I'm not talking about camcordering the newest Marvel movie and putting it on YouTube. That's not what I'm talking about, because that's the other thing. When when you say you're like a bootlegger, people think you are a movie pirate, and to me, those are two different aspects of the same job, if you will, the same genre. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I mean, they are both bootleggers, but in very, very different ways. I mean, these days, movies are going to show in a theater, and then they're going to be available for you in your home market within three or four months, you know. But it's, yeah, it's a totally different thing. They think of that Seinfeld episode immediately. Well, I'm also thinking about stuff like uh, Oliver Stone's Any Given Sunday. The director's cuts, the only thing that was ever put out on VHS or DVD or Mm. Blu-ray. No, I actually prefer the theatrical cut. You can only see the theatrical cut on a bootleg because Oliver Stone did not like the theatrical version. And I'm like, yeah, but all of the new scenes you put back in on the DVD, they slow the movie down, they wreck the pacing, and some of them are just unnecessary. I prefer the theatrical version. I'll look for a bootleg of that next time I want to see it. When, when they only put out one version commercially, I also think that fuels the bootleg market, especially if you saw the movie in the theater and then you're like, wait a minute, you mean I can't get that version on DVD? Why? Get a little tired of that kind of stuff and just seeing like the ex- expanded versions of stuff and then not having the regular versions available gets a little tiresome too. Oh, Chronicles of Riddick. Remember when we did our Riddick episode? Mm-hmm. I hate every one of those new scenes that are in the expanded version. Every single one of them. The theatrical cut worked so much better. Yeah. Oh yeah, I totally agree. Where can people find Mike White not totally, totally not being a bootlegger anymore? I am not bootlegging at the Projection Booth Podcast, which is available at projectionboothpodcast.com. So convenient. Well, you can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact this show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. And I guess I'd be a hypocrite if I said you people shouldn't steal this episode. So go ahead.
Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.